we gather in the name of Jesus. And you know what he says about that. Jesus said, when you gather in my name, there am I in your midst. Wow. Have you sensed the presence of the living Christ with us today? He's with us, and we acknowledge his presence. Well, it's a, a privilege for me to be with you today. Um, I used to be a pastor for, um, for 18 years. I was a pastor in, in um, South Dakota and then in Chicago area, and then in Colorado Springs. Then they asked me to be a DS, and I told them no. <laughs> but then they came back and asked me to be a DS again, and that time I prayed about it. And I ended up being a DS for 13 years in New Mexico. Yes, that's, that's a part of the United States. It's, it's between Phoenix and Texas. And then they asked me to go to Kansas City and be the global director of discipleship ministries. And, uh, and I served there for 12 years, and then I got to retire. And, uh, and then they asked me to go to Michigan for interim. So then, finally, I moved to northwest Arkansas. And I think we're home. <laughs> Although I have Arkansas roots, my dad went to school in Harrison uh, as a sophomore, and uh, then Grandpa years ago, um, my grandfather lived in Boonville and Paris, and then uh, Cheryl and I got married 50 years ago in Fort Smith. <laughs> so close enough, don't you think? Uh, <clears throat> um, I met Mal years ago at Mid-American Nazarene College, uh, it was when I was a freshman. I was 17 years of age, 17 years of age at Mid-American Nazarene College, and I was sitting in freshman English. And Mrs. Greathouse gave us an assignment that was due the next Monday. And I was feeling overwhelmed and all the adjustments of being a freshman and all that. And, and I raised my hand and I said, well, who do you think we are? Einstein's? You think this is the only class for which we have to write papers for? And she said, Woody, I think you need to pray about your attitude. <laughs> and she was right. I had a bad attitude. And I've since found out that whenever I have a bad attitude, I always come out the loser. Because bad attitudes can... can um, uh, cause a good salesman to lose a sale. Bad attitudes will cause a good ball team to lose the game. A bad attitude always uh, leaves you short and always creates tension in relationships, and it's always a bad witness. Uh, bad attitudes uh, could be a real problem for churches going through transition. I was just thinking just now, I, I thought, Oh, I feel sorry for you guys because it's kind of like potluck. You never know what you're going to get uh, on Sunday. And uh, I saw, because it's hard. It's hard to go through pastoral transition. And, and I, I recognize that. I used to help 
churches find pastors all the time, and sometimes I'd get it right, sometimes I didn't. So I'm praying that you will find God's servant for you in the right time, in the right place, in the right way, so that his kingdom will be advanced through you. Um, there was this cranky old grandfather who uh, decided he was going to take a nap. He laid down taking a nap, and just as soon as he was sound asleep, his grandson decided he'd have a little fun with Grandpa, and he put some Limburger cheese on his mustache. And suddenly, Grandpa awoke with a snort, and he said, this room stinks. And then he barged out of the bedroom and into the rest of the house, and he goes, the whole house stinks. And then he charged out into the front steps and, and he took a deep breath and he, the whole world stinks. And we all know that Grandpa was the real stinker. <laughs> but, but 99 times out of 100, when we think things begin to think, chances are it's not so much others, it's something about our attitudes that cause us problems. And it always shows, causes us to come out on the short end of things. So I have some scripture for you today. I want you to look at uh, uh, a passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. Chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse, two, uh, verse 12 in uh, the book of Philippians. And it reads like this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that's quite a statement. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So salvation isn't just a... Uh, an, namby-pamby uncertain thing. There is something that you are involved in in working out your salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. That's one of my favorite verses of scripture. For it is God who works in in you. So turn to somebody and tell them that. Say, God is at work in you. Go ahead, tell them. Preach it. Preach it. God is at work in you. They need to know that. You need to know that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And you're saying, well, preacher, if God's at work in, in me, why am I having all these problems and why is life so tough and why is it so challenging? Well, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The God who is at work in you, it is the Spirit of Jesus Christ who wants you to will and act according to his good purpose. Isn't that amazing? Huh. God is at work in you. Wonderful verse. But then let's go on to verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing. What? 
do everything without complaining or arguing. <laughs> I want to argue with Paul. <laughs> what are you? Do everything without complaining or, or arguing. Is that even possible? Uh, how can that be? Do you know... Do you know people who do everything without arguing or complaining? I mean, we're so good at it, aren't we? I, and do you think that we get uh, in the habit of complaining? It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too dark. It's too light. It's, it's too windy. It's, it's our habit. We, we are, do everything without complaining or arguing. But then it goes on. So that you may become. There's potential so that you may become. What about Bentonville community? Church of the Nazareth. Do everything without complaining so that you may become, church, blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And we say that. We understand that. In which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Wow. What a possibility to do everything without complaining. I don't know about that, but what if we are in the process of becoming more than you are, better than you are. You can grow. You can become blameless and pure children of, of, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Well, is that even possible? Do you see your potential? Uh, can you comprehend what you are becoming? Because God is at work in you. Tell them again. Tell them just in case that God is at work in you. Go ahead, tell them. Preach it. Do you believe that? God is at work in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything. Well, how can that possibly be? Well, in the same passage of Scripture, chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul writes, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Oh! Oh! <laughs> if I had the attitude that Jesus had, do you think I might even get closer to doing everything without complaining or arguing? Well, exactly what kind of attitude did he have? You know, an attitude is this inner feeling uh, or inner thought that's, that's manifested uh, in our external behavior. Uh, you won't understand this, but years ago, the ladies all wore dresses, uh, and, and they had slips. And sometimes those slips would show. <laughs> you know what I mean? And everybody knew it, except the lady. <laughs> it was really uncomfortable. Aren't you glad we don't have that problem anymore? But an attitude is something that everybody knows. You don't have to be around a guy very long before you can tell what kind of attitude he has or she has. Um, some people are just like brittle pads, like SOS pads, you know? 
All you do, you get around them just for a little while and you get scratched. And some people that you like to be around because they always cut you a little slack. They give you some, they give you some room. They're not always on your case. They, they, they're, they're more warm and accepting and forgiving. But you don't have to be around someone long before you can tell what kind of attitude they have. Your attitude is showing. Just ask somebody close to you. Can you see my attitude? <laughs> and they say, yeah, you're a mess. And we're all a mess. We all have this attitude, issues. But what if we could have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus? Well, is that a possibility? Well, the scriptures say you should have that, that attitude. Well, what was his attitude? Well, I see in this passage of Scripture uh, at, least, at least four attitudes that Jesus manifested. And if we cooperate with His Holy Spirit who is at work in our lives, He would uh, help us develop uh, the attitudes of Jesus. Just because you're a born-again born believer, just because you are a believer, does not mean you automatically have a good attitude. Is that true? The truth is, we have to cooperate with the God who is at work in you, His Holy Spirit, shaping you to will and act according to His good purpose. We have to cooperate with that Spirit who is seeking to help you have the attitude, the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Well, what was His attitude? At least, at least four attitudes I see in this passage. The first is found in verse 11, chapter 2, verse 11. And every tongue confess that Christ Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus had this wonderful attitude of praise and thanksgiving. Have you ever noticed how, how many times Jesus would pause and thank the Lord? I thank you, Father, that you hear me. I thank you, Father, that you know me and you are with me and you're going before me. Jesus had a positive attitude of praise and thanksgiving. If we're cooperating with the Spirit of God who's at work in us, then could we have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving? Um, well, uh, um, have you ever uh, tried to grumble and complain and give thanks at the same time. Huh. You can't do it. How, how, do I, how do I praise God and grumble and complain at the same time? The scriptures say this should not be. Jesus had this attitude of constantly thanks, giving thanks in gratitude. If you have an attitude of ingratitude, you probably don't... Uh, it's probably reflected in a bad attitude, and people pick up on that. They know it. They can tell whether you're a grateful, thanksgiving, praising person or not. Um, and that's, that's so important. You, you know that um, the attitude that you have uh, will influence your family. It'll influence your relationship. It'll influence uh, uh, the whole, the, uh, your marriage. All of the dynamics of your life can be reflected in 
your attitude. Uh, Casey Stingle used to be the manager of the New York Yankees. And Billy Martin, when he became the new manager, the rookie manager, he remembers the advice that Casey Stingle gave, gave him. And Stingle said, now, on your team, you're going to have 15 guys who would run through a wall for, for you. And you'll have five guys who will hate you and five guys who can't make up their mind. It reminds me of some boards I've worked with. <laughs> but Single said, Single said, if you, um, if you, if you always lose your losers together, never put a good attitude guy with a bad attitude as roommate because uh, those losers will blame the manager for everything, but it won't spread if you keep them isolated. He understood the importance of an attitude in a team. If you have a business and you have bad attitude people, you can't afford them because they'll, they'll cause your people to, to uh, the customers not to come back. You don't want to, and you experience that, don't you? You don't want to go back to a place where you get bad service and bad attitude. But if you have a winning attitude of, of positive praise and thanksgiving, uh, it makes a difference. So here's your assignment on Tuesday. Tuesday. Let's make, let's make Tuesday Thanksgiving Tuesday. This Tuesday, okay? Thanksgiving Tuesday. No complaining, no arguing, but we're going to give thanks and praise God all day Tuesday. Can you do that? You can? Wow! Are you listening? Oh, I'm glad you're even listening. That, okay, what's your assignment for Tuesday? Thanksgiving Tuesday. Let's try it. What do we have to lose? We might even have a better attitude and not do everything and do everything without complaining or arguing. Thanksgiving Tuesday. But then I want you to see in this passage, it moves on to Jesus had this attitude of humble servanthood. He had this attitude of humility. Look at verses 3 and 4 uh, in chapter 2. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Jesus had this attitude of humble servanthood. Um, somebody said, humility, that fragile flower, the moment you claim it, you crush it. Humility, that quality that helps you think of yourself rightly, correctly, honestly. Humility that <laughs> compares yourself to Jesus and only Jesus. Humility, that quality in your life that you and I cannot possess adequately unless God does a work in our hearts. 
He sanctifies that heart by His Holy Spirit, cleansing us of this undue self-orientation. You know, your heart and my heart, it's naturally turned in upon itself. And so our bad attitudes come out of a self-orientation, this, this concern about my interests. But when Jesus went to the cross, Whose interest did he have in mind? He was thinking about you. And his spirit can change our hearts by faith, radically making us new, new people, new creatures in Christ Jesus in our hearts. So if I want to have the attitude of humility, I recognize that I can't, I can't do this in myself. I've got to have the help of the Lord. And Jesus said, ah, and I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. He is with you. He's at work in you. And if you will surrender to him, if you'll cooperate with him, he can do a work in your heart and in your mind that will transform you and your attitudes so that you can be full of praise and thanksgiving and have an attitude of humble servanthood. I used to have a, a guy on my staff. I'd call him, and he'd pick up the phone, and he'd say, what do you want? I had another guy I worked with, and he'd pick up the phone, and he'd say, how can I make your day better? Which one would you want to work with? Okay, so here's the uh, assignment for tomorrow. What's Tuesday? Thanksgiving Tuesday. And tomorrow... Tomorrow, your assignment is the first person you see, the, our first encounter you have in, uh, uh, in conversation tomorrow, you want to say, how can I make your day better? Whoa. And teenagers, try that with your mom and dad. <laughs> and, say, and then you pick them up off the floor, and I have to, it's true, mama, I want to make your day better. How can I do that? Okay. Say that with me. How can I make your day better? Has, have you ever said that to anybody? Whoa. It's a thought. Whoa. What if, instead of saying, how can I make my day better, we started thinking about others? And the scriptures say, your interest should not be your own interest, but to consider the interest of others. That's what made Jesus so, so masterful. He wanted to make our day better. And he does that when we focus on him and then he changes our heart to be not only concerned about ourselves, but how we can serve others. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Whoa. But Jesus also had another attitude. And isn't it interesting that right after Paul says, have the same attitude that Jesus had. In chapter 4, verse 8, he says this. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So there it is. Three dots, 
and the God of peace will be with you. So, Paul says, do you want to have the attitude of Jesus? Then find it, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is excellent. If, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. But not, not us. No, no, we're not going to do that. We, we, we'd rather think about everything that's wrong and everything that's false. Let's think of whatever is lowly, whatever is disgusting, whatever is uh, unadmirable, and whatever is less than excellent, whatever is not perfect, whatever is not praiseworthy. And you know why we, we do that? Because we're so self-oriented and we're, we're looking for how to make things better, but, but it's the way we think. We call it stinking thinking. And you got stinking thinking, but look what, what Jesus would, he thought about the true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the excellent, the admirable, the praiseworthy, and the God of peace will be with you. The God who is at work in you has a profound heart peace for your life and mine. It's not in our, our energies, our efforts, our abilities. It's in what Christ can do for us as we think rightly. It's the power of our attitudes. I, I can't tell you how important it is to have a right attitude. Jesus had this positive, expecting, believing attitude of achieving faith. He was, he was thinking rightly. He had faith in the Father and the goodness of the Father. A young army, uh, a young psychology student was drafted into the army. And so he was given the job of kitchen patrol. He had, he had to have uh, the task of passing out apricots at the end of the chow line in KP. So he decided that he would try a little experiment with the soldiers coming through. And so the first squad of soldiers came through and he said, you don't want any apricots, do you? And 90% said, no, we don't like army apricots. So then the next squad came through and he tried a, a different approach. You do want some apricots, don't you? About half of them took apricots. And then the third squad came through. And with a bright smile and a winsome spirit, he said, one dish of apricots or two. And in spite of the fact that most soldiers didn't even like army apricots, 50% took one and 40% took two. I can't overstate the incredible power of your attitude and how you think. The true, the noble, the right, the pure, the lovely, the excellent, and the admirable and praiseworthy.
and the God of peace will be with you. You know those things that are troubling you? Those things that keep you on the edge? Think, think like Jesus thought about them. Even in the midst of his people resisting him and ridiculing him and opposing him, he had a profound peace because he was, he was doing God's will in God's way in God's time. He was relying upon the Spirit of God who flowed right through him. And we have that same privilege. We can live in a positive, expecting attitude of faith. Whatever challenge you face, whatever your circumstance, would you think rightly and then factor in the power of God into your life? And you know what the result is? Peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of your disappointments with circumstances. When others have let you down, there's a settled peace. Peace when you, you can't see the way, and yet you know the God who is at work in you is causing you to will and to act according to his good purpose, for he has plans for you to shine like a star in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And it's all wrapped up in how we think. Don't you love the story of little David going up against the giant Goliath? <laughs> and David and, and those Israeli soldiers saw Goliath and, and they were shaking in fear and they were thinking, oh, he's so big, he's so awesome, we, this is too much for us, we could never win. And they quake in fear. But little David, based on what had happened in the past, what God had done for him in the past, and what he believed God was going to do for him in the future, he saw that big old giant and he said, you know, I know God helped me with the bear and the lion. He can help me with this giant. Why? Why? He's so big, I can't miss. What a deal. So you can rise up with a positive expecting faith to conquer your giants. You can develop this attitude that, that enables you in the inner, inner being of your life to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can face the toughest mountain or, or, or the deepest valley. I can face it all because Christ lives within me. And he has said, I can think and act and live according to his attitudes in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't you like that? In this passage, there's also verse 6, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, that says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. That's what I should have said back then when I uh, was talking about Tuesday, Thanksgiving Tuesday. I should have said, Philippians 4, 6, right then. With everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. And then the, the promise is there again in verse 7. And the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Wow. Do you understand what God has for you? This profound peace that's beyond my understanding. It's beyond our understanding because it's God's peace coming down from the Father above that sweeps over our spirit in fathomless billows of love. Peace for your mind. Peace for your anxieties. We don't have to live in defeat. We can be victorious as we live in this positive attitude of believing faith, achieving faith with thanksgiving. But there's one attitude, one more attitude I want you to see in this passage. In chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Jesus had this incredible attitude of self-giving love. An attitude of self-giving love. Look at verses 1 and 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Wow. This benevolent, generous, gracious, forgiving, self-giving love that Jesus had, he invites us to have. And what are the scriptures, how do the scriptures, uh, scriptures uh, describe Christians? You shall know. Behold how they love one another. This is the predominant characteristic of a follower of Jesus. They are a person of self-giving love. They have all these attitudes of praise and thanksgiving and they're humble servants and, and they have positive, uh, positive expecting faith. But, but the primary characteristic is this amazing love. When you come around here, what's the first thing people experience? Oh, I think they experience your love. People graciously welcome us today, graciously loving us. Why? Because of what God has done in your life and in your heart. Well, just mark it down. You can have these positive attitudes, these attitudes of praise and thanksgiving and humble servanthood and faith and, and, and of love, but people are still going to misunderstand you. They're going to treat you poorly. They may ridicule you. They, they may treat you unjustly. When, when people treat you wrongly, it's going to happen. People will disappoint you, let you down. Have, has anybody not ever been let down? Whoa. Why? It's, it's people. But let me ask you this. Do you ever go wrong when you treat somebody better than they deserve? Well, you know what they did to me. 
Do you ever go wrong when you treat somebody better than they, they deserve? So you're going to get even? You think that'll make you a winner? Well, it's just not right. It's not right. You're right. Do you ever go wrong when you treat somebody better than you deserve? Than they deserve? Do you ever go wrong when, they, when you treat somebody better than they deserve? Because isn't that precisely the way God in Christ Jesus has treated you and me? Better than we deserve. He loved us in spite of who we are. And he's saying, my child, start fussing, start arguing, start trying to justify everything. Just recognize who you are. Everybody else knows it anyway. And just confess. I need you every hour. So if you have the attitudes of Jesus, the same attitude that Jesus had, praise and thanksgiving, and you work with the Spirit who is helping you become a humble servant, and if you believe in positive expecting faith that God's going to enable you to do great things for his kingdom, and if you are filled with the Spirit of Christ of love. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Then, do you think it would be possible that you could do everything without arguing or complaining <laughs> so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Dear Lord Jesus, we admit how much we need you and how far short we fall of always having your attitude but I thank you that you are gracious and forgiving and generous and merciful and kind to us. And you've got plans for us to be what you want us to be. Lord, we, we want to shine like a star for your purpose, for your kingdom. Would you do in this moment, in each of our hearts, miracles by your presence, by your spirit, you are shaping us into Christ-likeness. In the name of Jesus.